0: All the latest business news from WA, delivered daily. At Close of Business, news briefing. Good afternoon and welcome to the At Close of Business podcast. I'm Isabel Vieira with your Friday afternoon headlines. The West Australian Planning Commission has knocked back an amended plan from Satterley Property Group for its North Stoneville project in the Perth Hills. The WAPC refused to propose amended North Stoneville structure plan at its meeting yesterday, which was closed to the public. The group's original structure plan, which proposed a townsite of about 1,000 lots in the Perth Hills, was rejected by WAPC in 2020. The Nigel Satterley-led group has gone back to the drawing board several times over its plans for the 555-hectare land parcel in North Stoneville, about 40 kilometres northeast of Perth. In April, the proposal was revised from 1,500 lots to just over 1,000 lots and resubmitted to the Peak Planning Body after the State Administrative Tribunal intervened and invited WAPC to reconsider. However, WAPC yesterday refused the amended plans because it did not adequately demonstrate the threat to bushfire risk, including safe evacuation. To read more, visit businessnews.com.au. In other news, Synergy's 1.6 billion dollar plan to build the state's largest battery storage facility in Collie has been given the go-ahead by authorities. A regional joint development assessment panel today approved the project, which is expected to deliver 2,000 megawatt hours of storage or 500 megawatts of power capacity. The storage facility is expected to play a significant role in the state's energy transition, alongside the planned 200 megawatt battery in quanana that will work with existing battery assets. Engineering consultant GHD submitted the proposal for the facility which will add significant storage capacity to the southwest interconnected system. The Collie battery energy storage system will be Synergy's second energy storage system and one of the largest in the world. It will be the second large-scale battery storage system in the Collie area. French renewable energy company NIOIN is currently building a 290-megawatt facility, expected to be operational by the end of 2024. Speaking at the JDAP, Shire of Collie Director of Development Services Matt Young said the proposal addressed the Shire's concerns around planning, road access and bushfire management. And lastly, traffic controllers in Western Australia are in line for a 38% pay rise and contractors expect similar increases will apply across the board because of new tendering rules set by Main Roads WA. The increased pay rates for traffic controllers were unilaterally announced by Main Roads in October, causing alarm for businesses in that sector. A potentially more significant change was revealed in recent industry briefings for the Tonkin Highway Extension project. Main Road says it was committed to implementing best practice industrial relations on its projects. It told an industry briefing that minimum rates of pay would be introduced for all workers on site to attract and retain more experienced civil construction workers. The new rate was will be based on those paid by head contractor Asiona on the Armadale Rail Line upgrade. This has been described by one industry source as a government-sanctioned pattern agreement with highest rates of pay becoming the new normal. To read more, visit businessnews.com.au. That's all from me. Up next on the podcast, Nadia Budihardjo and Claire Tyrrell discuss East Coast investors entering the WA housing market. Want to reach the 1% of people who make 80% of business decisions in Western Australia? Business leaders and influencers trust Business News for accurate, independent and insightful news editorial and intelligence across every sector, every day. Place your brand in front of WA's business, political and community decision makers with our integrated platforms encompassing print, digital, podcast and events. Contact our team of experienced account managers to find out more. Visit businessnews.com.au forward slash advertise. Welcome back to At Close of Business.
1: I'm Nadia Budihajo and I'm here with senior journalist Claire Tyrrell. Claire, how are you? Good, thank you,
2: Nadia. How are you today? I'm good, thanks. Good.
1: Claire, for our latest edition, you've written about the increase in Eastern States investment in WA residential property. So what sparked your interest in this and what did you learn in the process of writing the article?
2: So there was a lot of industry chatter, basically, Nadia, kind of everywhere, not everywhere I went, but I go to many events and a lot of events that I went to, uh, people were saying there's a lot of people from the eastern states uh, investing in our property here, not just in residential, but I decided to focus on residential for this one. You've got to choose an angle. I think mainly the reason for this is the affordability here compared to over there, and also mm. the gap between the value and the rents. So yep. I think the yield, the yield basically, is better, uh, and Australians love property as an investment. Generally, it's kind of our ethos how we've we've grown up with it. And the HIA, so Housing Industry Association Economic Outlook, which was a couple of weeks ago, highlighted this particularly. And I thought, oh, it's time to dive into it to do a story. And Tim Reardon, who's the chief economist there at HAA, had a good graph, some good data points, which I used for the story. And he said that investors are the only growing cohort of buyers. So I've got a graph there comparing uh, owner occupiers and investors and first home buyers. And, you know, it's a, it's a small uptick, but it's an uptick in terms of the investors. And in terms of what I learned during this story, it, it was slightly frustrating, t- to be honest, because I learned that it's actually... Quite difficult to get exact data on a yep. breakdown of who's buying our property. Mm. Uh, people like the Australian Bureau of Statistics breaks it down to, and HIA even they'll break it down to investors slash investors versus owner occupiers mm. versus first home buyers. But I found it really hard to get any data that breaks down where that money is coming from. Uh, I think it's out there somewhere. I just found it really difficult uh, when I spoke to the. ABS. They were really helpful actually. Their media team are pretty good. Uh, they said they don't collect data on the residency of the borrower which would have revealed the interstate and international interest that I was interested in because I also covered international investment which we'll go to go into a little bit later. The state and territory of a loan commitment is determined by the location of the mortgaged property and that, that's a direct quote from them in, a, in an email. Uh, this of course can be different to the residency of a borrower and this right. is what I was pursuing so it's it's a technical one uh, I was told the Reserve Bank maybe aw- may be aware of investment flows between the states bodies like WA invest and trade but they look at other kind of areas of investment in property a more commercial kind of focus but they might have some anecdotal stuff but you know maybe it's one for me to pursue another time to get some more exact figures but you know in the meantime, I did have some good, good stats from, uh, you know, the value of loans to owner occupiers and investors. And the Urban Development Institute of Australia also provided some good data on buyer types. So they reported an increase in investment in residential land from eastern states buyers. So now it's 62% of all residential sales here in WA are to eastern states buyers. So that's pretty staggering.
1: Yeah, I definitely see quite a rise in the investors from outside of WA whenever I write those monthly housing and residential stats. You spoke to a number of people for this story, but the main agency you interviewed was Matt Black. So can you tell me a little bit about them and how have they experienced this phenomenon?
2: Yeah, so Matt Black's a Subiaco-based buyers agency, and I spoke to Matthew Matthew Hughes, who heads that up. Uh, he was very helpful and he told me uh, how they've grown. So he said, since early 2021, we saw an uptick in investment appetite generally and has been climbing throughout that period. So what they do is they deal with established houses. And he told me about how shallow the market was in, in at the moment, just given that the low number of listings, et cetera. And this actually makes it kind of more attractive. It's a supply and demand thing, right? People mm. are like, it's scarcity. Uh, but then it's also led to price increases and rental increases, given the uh, low rental vacancies as well. Uh, and he said the east coast investment really piled on during 2022 last year, uh, and people are still doing it now. You know, investing in our property now. About 60% of Matt Black's business come f- comes from interstate buyers, mainly from Sydney and Melbourne. Investors often look interstate to the market that is paying the best short to medium term growth and that's something that Matthew told me and another thing that we haven't really touched on is the rate of population growth which is really high here in WA, I think it was 2.8% the recent recent statistics which was the highest in the nation and the lowest stock levels as well so there's low availability of homes and I talked about that a bit earlier. We need more homes and that, yep. that's another big one and that's an mm. issue I talk about a lot uh, in in other articles but this one was more about you know investment flows and what where people are transacting
1: and just circling back to a point that you made earlier you also looked into foreign investment in WA property this has been a hot topic in WA in particularly in the recent years can you tell me
2: why i did so the foreign investment levels of foreign investment in western australian residential property have fallen uh, over the years and this is mainly due to, when you speak to people in the industry, they tell you this is mainly due to the foreign buyer surcharge that was brought in by the McGowan government in 2019 and it was introduced as a measure to help reduce competition for first home buyers and it's a surcharge which requires overseas buyers to pay an additional 7% duty on residential transactions. Uh, It applies in tandem with stamp duty provisions which means that foreign buyers pay about 12% in duties if they buy a WA property and the argument from industry bodies like the Property Council who probably speak the loudest about this is that this deters investment and you know there are other things deterring investment in in WA property given that we're not Sydney or Melbourne because when you're overseas Mm. and you think of Australia what's the image in your head? Yeah Probably the Sydney Harbour Bridge or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, their argument is that we need increased investment in in property here. We need incentives. We don't need disincentives. And the property council gave me some some of their research. Uh, so they've done a bit of they've had a bit of a look into apartments, and they've said that the introduction of the foreign buyer surcharge has prevented up to three thousand new apartments from entering the market, which equates to about 800 fewer dwellings each year. And Sandra Brewer called for apartments marketed to overseas buyers to be exempt from the surcharge. She said this would help drive investment into the state's housing market and expedite the delivery of dwellings. However, Rita Safiotti, the treasurer who's in charge of this one, said that, you know, there's no plan to change the foreign buyer surcharge and it should be noted that foreign buyers pay considerably less in WA than any other state in the country due to the government's generous transfer duty concessions for off the plan apartments. So that's another policy that the state government has introduced. But Sandra Brewer's response to this was it's all about optics and, uh, you know, it doesn't look good when we've got this foreign buyer surcharge. Uh, there are other versions of it in other states, though, so it is it's a complicated issue. Um, I'm not sure where the answer lies, but I guess if we could get some more incentives for people to invest, foreigners to invest, and I think missing the the big point Nadia I didn't didn't touch on was that when foreigners and eastern states investors invest in our residential property, it creates more rental yep. properties basically. Uh, so it's not a bad thing. Uh, however, it can be a bad thing in the way that other media has uh, has approached it, and and it's not untrue. Um, and I have covered this before in the past as well is that uh you know foreign and eastern states investors coming in it cuts out us (laughs) a lot of the time locals you Mm -hmm. know especially for stuff like that southern corridor you know the where the big land developments are there'll be uh, a local buyer there and then there'll be a an eastern states investor and they're often willing that the eastern states person's often willing to throw more money at something which which is um unfortunate for the little mum and dad here. So it is a complicated issue, but I would say that we do generally need more investment into homes and then which would free up more more homes, more rentals, encourage more supply. And that's
1: definitely an issue that we've talked about both I- during the podcast episodes and online in terms of what's happening in WA Market. Uh, you can read Claire's full story in the property section of the latest edition of Business News on page 36 That's a November 27 edition of which Tricia Tribbett from Sign Advisory graces the cover. Claire, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you.
0: The latest business news delivered daily. Subscribe and rate the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. For all the latest business news, visit businessnews.com.au.